thanks, thanks so much to Emerald and Harjot for that kind and generous introduction. It's been such a joy working with them these past four years. It's an incredible honor to be here together with you, the class of 2022, to celebrate this special occasion. You were my first class at UC Davis, and I vividly remember welcoming you to medical school at your induction ceremony. And now, here we are, having traveled together through four challenging and inspiring years. You managed to navigate medical school through an incredibly stressful time with all the disruptions caused to your education by the COVID pandemic, through structural racism and racial violence, both inside and outside our institution, and growing political divides in our country. But you did it, and we are so proud of you for your successes. And in just a few minutes, you will be doctors. Reflecting on my own experiences as a physician for the past 25 years, I'd like to share a few of my thoughts about the core identities of an individual. What, am I, what I mean by this more specifically is that I believe that there are three core identities that we all have, a personal identity, a professional identity, and a societal identity. So what are these core identities? I think of personal identity as the values that describe who you really are, which may be based on your culture that you grew up in, the people who, you surround, who surround you, your fundamental beliefs, and what and who inspires you and give you meaning. Your professional identity now certainly includes being a doctor and all the expectations that come with that role. In addition to being a clinician, it may include other professional roles, such as being a researcher, a teacher, or a quality improvement champion. And finally, your societal identity. Although some would say that your professional role as a physician is your societal role, I would say that the societal identity represents your broader role and responsibility to your community. Examples include serving as a tireless advocate, a determined innovator, or a committed reformer. I would venture to guess that many physicians may not be able to identify their societal identity, but I hope to convince you that this identity is equally important to the other two. One thing that surprised me when I finished medical school was the discovery that doctors have a lot more power than you might realize. People listen to you, they follow your instructions, usually, and they show you more respect than you, than you think you deserve. As an intern, a few months after being allowed to put MD after his name, one of my residents described how the one minute he spent scribbling out a letter for his patient helped that patient stay in this country. One minute, one letter, signed by him, and his, path, his patient was now on a long-awaited path to citizenship. I think you will find that people treat you differently when you have doctor in front of your name and a white coat draped over your shoulders. You will certainly have the power to relieve suffering at the bedside by showing compassion and treating illness, but you can also do so on a larger scale by developing your societal identity and bringing changes to your community beyond the clinical encounter. I urge you to use your platform. As doctors, we have a unique vantage point that allows us entry into the lives of our patients. They share personal details about sensitive topics with us that they wouldn't tell anyone else. I remain amazed by my patients' willingness to describe their private lives, their addictions, their hopes and fears, even on our first visit to our clinic. You learn and experience things that others may not see and that you would likely not see if you were not a physician. You will learn how an unhoused patient survives on the street, what life was and is like for your patient who just arrived in America after spending years in a refugee camp, how someone remains stuck in a relationship with intimate partner violence. You will know many details about immigrant culture, drug culture, and prison culture. 
you will see people who are invisible to others, and you will physically and literally touch people from whom others retreat. It is this unique window and the knowledge and, and experience that comes from looking through it that allow you to use your power as a physician in productive and effective ways to bring changes to our communities in ways that are now more critical than ever. You've all taken care of patients on your rotations with multiple conditions that require you and your team to balance interventions to optimize the various symptoms, systems that sometimes seem like they're working against one another. I want to tell you about my former patient, John, a 62-year-old man with coronary artery disease, pulmonary hypertension, sleep apnea, and COPD, as well as severe back pain from a work injury that has resulted in his use of a wheelchair and high doses of opioids to control his pain. But what you wouldn't know about John from reviewing his chart is that he spent his early, early years in the Deep South as a descendant of slaves. As a young adult, he moved to St. Louis, where he married and divorced. He still has three grown children who live there. He moved to California many years ago to work in the shipyards, but soon got disability insurance after a work injury. He lived in a single-room occupancy hotel, but had a hard time getting to his room because the elevator in his building was always broken and he couldn't get his pain medications due to clinic policies that prevented our pharmacist from prescribing that medication when his urine toxicology results showed cocaine that he adamantly denied using. John knew that his time in this world was short, and his one wish was to try to get back to St. Louis to see his kids after nearly a decade. He really wanted to fly, so he worked with the pulmonary clinic staff to optimize his lung function to travel safely on an airplane to make that important trip. John's story is a classic example of how bench science has helped us at the bedside in prolonging the lives of our patients with significant mental illness. And you've probably heard the expression from bench to bedside, meaning taking discoveries or innovations from the lab that is the bench and to use them to treat patients at the bedside. John's multiple admissions had resulted in several new medications to strengthen his heart and his lungs. He had many cardiology studies to improve his symptoms, and he had a he even had a high-tech simulation study to explore his suitability to fly on a commercial airplane. There was a strong focus on optimizing his physiology through the use of powerful medications to improve his symptoms. But less attention was focused on understanding John as a person and to think more broadly about ways to help him and the many people like him that struggle in our communities. John's story is not particularly unique or sensational. There are many patients like John, and you will meet some of them during your first weeks of your internships but each of them will be looking to you, their new doctor, to help him feel better in the clinic or the hospital. But patients like John need you to go beyond the bench and beyond the bedside to learn from and about them at the bedside and then to use that knowledge to act, to innovate, to advocate, to reform in order to improve our society. And I know that your training at UC Davis has better prepared you to understand how to help John both in the medical world that we inhabit, as well as the outside world that he inhabits, and to recognize some of the potential differences and priorities in each of those worlds. I truly believe that our societal identity requires that we study and advocate for policies that affect our patients, both directly and indirectly, in any aspect that you, as a person and a physician, feels matters. I think back to my patient, John, I did my best to advocate for him in the clinic by ensuring that he got the medications he needed, that he was evaluated by appropriate subspecialists, that he received needed home health care services, 
I got him a room on the ground floor of his, of his hotel and access to drug treatment programs to help with his cocaine use. I think I was able to relieve some of his suffering. And don't get me wrong, being a thoughtful, reliable, careful physician at the bedside is critical. But I'm hopeful that all of you will do even more. What if my impact could have been greater? What if I made a commitment to improve John's life as well as those who live in his building or in his neighborhood or in a city or in neighborhoods and cities across the country in places with similar demographics? Could we envision a time and place where people like John don't have to suffer from some of the structural problems that affect individuals like him, where so-called upstream social determinants of health are identified and addressed to prevent downstream problems, a place where drug treatment is readily available to all residents who want it, where local and state initiatives are implemented to promote early childhood education, where grocery stores sell fresh produce in underserved neighborhoods to prevent the proliferation of food deserts, where job training programs exist to teach marketable skills and thereby reduce poverty, where policies are enacted to confront Wall Street greed and to correct the resultant income inequality, where gerrymandering is banned and reparations are made to acknowledge past injustices. Dr. Paul Weiss at Stanford has said that physicians are the ultimate witness to failed social policy because we see those downstream effects. And I would argue that it is imperative that physicians respond to societal concerns that we witness in the course of our practice and to act decisively to change those policies. You know my opinion on a physician's responsibility to society, but you must do your own soul searching to determine your own path at this time of transition. You are about to receive your Doctor of Medicine degree. How will you choose to fulfill your role and responsibility in society, your societal identity? What will you do to make things better for your patients and for other patients like your patients. While I put this challenge to you, I also encourage you to remember that there is not a single right answer or path to take. There are no syllabi, no Anki cards, no clinical trials to help you in these decisions. You have to decide what feels right to you based on what matters and has mattered to you as a person first and now as a doctor. It is also worth stating explicitly that I often turn to students and residents when I need inspiration. You all ground me and remind me of why we must do this work. And I'm sure you've seen many different ways by which physicians can affect change during your time at UC Davis. And I would encourage you to continue to look for examples and opportunities during residency and beyond. Because societal roles for physicians are less clearly defined, it is especially important to have the support of role models and mentors. In addition, during times of frustration, and those times will come up, you will want to turn to your colleagues for inspiration and grounding. Personally, I feel so fortunate to be surrounded by like-minded people here, like all of you, who share my passion for social justice and can pro provide me with advice, guidance, and reassurance during the process of bringing change to our, uh, to our uh, community, especially at challenging times. I urge you to develop this sort of community during your residency and beyond, and to support one another actively as you work to understand and address some of the salient issues that affect your patients and your communities. Many of you have met my eight-year-old daughter, Asha, or at least seen her when she appears on her Zoom meetings, and I'm glad she's here today with my wife, Rachel. As I watch her grow up, my role as father causes me to feel a sense of urgency to address some of these bigger picture issues that confront her. So she grows up in an inclusive community where all members are treated with respect, where everyone has access to high-quality healthcare 
and where everyone has a real chance of pursuing their dreams. Ever since she was an infant, Asha and I have gone on long walks together in which we discuss important topics like income inequality, racism, the importance of service. Mostly I do the talking while she ignores me or tells me, <laughs> tells me about her favorite flavor of sour candy. The name Asha means hope in Sanskrit, just as she is, for me, a welcome reminder of possibility. Your emergence into the workforce gives me hope that we will continue to work to bring health in the broadest terms and in many dimensions to all people in our communities. In summary, I hope you have a clearer understanding of the importance of bringing together your personal, professional, and societal identities to improve the care you provide to your patients and the impact you have on your communities. You will undoubtedly witness injustices faced by your patients, but I urge you to identify issues about which you care deeply and to take action, to expand your reach to something that is larger than yourself and even your individual patient experience to make this world a better place. I know you can and will do it. It is up to you to determine what matters to you and to create your path forward. And in doing so, I hope you will find meaning for the person you have been, the doctor you will become, and the member of society you must be. Congratulations again on your accomplishment, and thank you again for being such wonderful partners on this journey.